here's a little bit of good, but here's a fair bit of bad, but here's a little bit of good too. Because yep. it's not all going to be, you know, roses and, you know, right. rainbows and all the rest of it because yeah. it's life and life gets tough and we've got to put some tools in place to get through those points and times in our life and, and, and do get on with it. And if that means speaking about our feelings and our emotions, then so be it. We've got to do it. It's Men's Health Week, and we're shining a light on a male-dominated industry suffering from higher-than-average rates of suicide. And this is a high-risk group, and we need to be understanding of that. Men in construction have a history of struggling particularly badly with managing their mental health, and as graduate psychologist and former construction worker Simon Tyler says, that's due in part to the stereotypical hypermasculine culture that exists on work sites. Now the focus of his PhD. I think there's a big transition there that's happening within society and the construction, regardless of whether it's a hypermasculine culture, in that there's you're starting to get these people go, oh, hang on, we actually need to look at this. Simon's good mate Richie Welch has been in the construction game for more than two decades, and both men have lived experience of going through immense struggle and surviving, becoming stronger and more sensitive to the need to reach out for help. The hard, honest truth is probably the best message at times. After recently enduring a devastating spate of suicides within their tight-knit community, they decided enough is enough and have gone above and beyond to create a new service called The Next Step, an Instagram page that connects men who are struggling to the help they need through direct messaging. Just the fact that we've got a passion for this would be silly not to use it and help people and, and help them in the right direction. Having personally witnessed so much need for more mental health help and awareness within male-dominated industries, they're now dedicated to serving that cohort that's notoriously tough to reach. There was a time that both men were saved by a single conversation, and they know as well as anyone the power of speaking up and being heard. Welcome to Young Blood, a podcast all about young men's health. My name's Callum McPherson, I'm a journalist, and this is our mission to talk about the stuff that matters and isn't talked about enough. Let's do it. All right, so guys, mental health in the construction industry, what is it that uh, the rest of society isn't aware of? What are some of the things that keep cropping up and just how prevalent uh, is things like suicide, but also the need to look after mental health in this area specifically? Yeah, look, it's, it's a really big issue. I think if you want to look at things from the start, from a real global perspective, there's a lot of research out there that's sort of looking at male suicide and, and how, how much of a gender disparity there is between men and women. So we like to sort of look at it from a top-down approach and then it really funnels into that um, construction industry. So, you know, globally, 800,000 suicides um, occur annually, um, but the, ma the vast majority of those are men. Um, so there's research that's come out recently that, one man dies by suicide every 60 seconds. And that's a global sort of issue, but we also see that mirrored here within Australia. So obviously we, uh, the statistics out there, eight suicides a day and, and six of those are men, so 75%, which is, you know, a really concerning figure. But then when you break that down into these sort of male-dominated industries like construction, you start to see a similar pattern. Um, so... Within Australia, in the construction industry, we get about 190 suicides a year, um, which is a one every two days. Um, and so for a, an area that's not really known about in terms of mental health and suicide, that's a, that's a really scary figure. And I think for the guys that work within the industry, it, it's, it's pretty confronting. Um, and the fact is, a lot of people don't know about it. And that's really what a lot of groups are trying to promote at the moment. How does that stack up with some of the other male-dominated industries? Yeah, so 
it's not a huge amount of research. It's something that's starting to come through. Obviously, certain industries like emergency services are going to have really high rates um, of suicide just based on the fact of the trauma that they're experiencing. Um, but then in comparison to certain things like manufacturing, um, which is another male-dominated industry, you know, construction is a lot higher than that. And then if you further compare construction to general white-collar work, you know, that's when you see the real difference in that these male-dominated industries, these labour-intensive sort of work environments are, you know, really showing a drastic increase in suicide rates and, and that's something that we really need to focus on. Marinji, you've been in this game for many years. Is it something that you've seen the face of it change or more awareness has been brought to it or has it always been obviously an issue to you? Yeah, look, um, I don't think for me personally I've seen a real massive change in the face of it. I think it's uh, becoming more highlighted now because there are, there are a few things now drawing a bit more attention to it. Mates in Constructions, obviously, Simo works in with um, from that clinical point of view. They've got a, a quite a larger presence on site now than I feel like they have before, especially when I was like an apprentice. So me being in the industry for the last 14 years, um, I think I'm starting to find in the last few years especially, um, their message is getting stronger and stronger now, which is fantastic to see and obviously supports those guys out on site. In terms of those mental health issues, what are some of the situations that you've come up against or that you've seen guys that you work with experience? What kind of things are they generally? Yeah, look, that's a difficult question, Callum, because obviously men's mental health is over such a huge wide range of aspects. Um, but me personally, depression seems like a, a big one. Um, obviously anxiety and stress, they're quite prevalent amongst guys that I have worked with and are working with. And I guess it's the fear of the unknown, especially in certain times like now, which um, I'm sure Simo will touch on, you know, with everything that's been going on with the pandemic and whatnot. Yep. Um, but, yeah, just for me it would be those those three things mainly um, I see as uh, an issue um, in construction for men for sure. And so do we think it's related to the work, work itself or just the fact that there's a high concentration of men there? And obviously maybe there's not enough research on that either. Yeah, so primarily um – I've been lucky enough to be sponsored by Mates in Construction um, and I'm with the UniSA Mental Health and Suicide Prevention Research Group and we're actually in this integrated program looking at what are the drivers behind suicide and suicidal ideation for these these guys and, um, you know, there's been a lot of research that's looked at occupation industry and its relationship to suicide and suicide outcomes and there's a bit of work that's sort of looking at these psychosocial job factors um, and it's something that we're actually really trying to touch on um, through the research. So, you know, looking at things like job security, job demand, job control, you know, those things where a bloke or a, an employee's got a role within how they decide they can do the job. And, you know, the construction industry, it's so interesting. Richie can sort of attest to this as well. You look at things like the transient nature for these guys so often i don't know how long you've been at your role for but you know i know when i was working construction it could go six months and i could change companies right yeah that that, that is a massive <clears throat> point there simo because depending on the contracts and how big the companies are um they might that company that particular worker might only have a project to sit on for six to twelve months um, once the company's done that contract, then sorry guys, you back out to so market. So they don't have that security there. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. it's always sort of, 
on the edge of your seat for a lot of guys knowing that, well, I've got the next few months sorted out, you know, if that comes to fruition, but then I'll have to go and find something again after that. Correct, yeah. And it's yeah. something that's really not touched on a lot. I think, you know, that external perception of construction is, you know, this, you know, oh, they make a lot of money and they're doing really well for themselves, but it's like, yeah, okay, in those periods, like, you know, I remember the last job I did was out at um, uh, Lyle McEwen Hospital. That was the last construction job I was on before I went back to university. And we were all lining up um, for the new RAH, the Royal Adelaide Hospital, and we were super excited about it. But that's got a lifespan on it. Yep. And then you get that build and that's completed. And then there's a lot of guys just standing there going, well, where's my next paycheck coming from? Yeah. And that's just one of the components that we're talking about. So, you know, these psychosocial job factors and, look, we need to do more research. That's part of the research that we're trying to do is to understand how much you know, how how these factors play a role because obviously mental health and suicide is such a multifactorial thing. It's not like, you know, a relationship breakdown is the only thing that leads to someone suiciding or someone having a mental health problem, but, you know, it's teasing apart and seeing what roles these play in sort of these mental health problems and suicide outcomes. And from what you guys have seen, what's the culture like in that industry in terms of how men treat each other and how they... Um present themselves, those sorts of things? Yeah, sure. Um, look, for me personally, uh, I, I deem the culture pretty good. I'm, I'm a bit of a boy's boy, so I feel like I fit in with that culture yep. pretty well. Um, <clears throat> but look, you know, uh, the old the old uh, stereotype would be, you know, the pre- apprentices has to uh, earn their stripes. Yeah. You know, they, they the get rookie. a rookie. Yeah, the rookie, yeah. yeah. And they, they get a bit of shit hang on, hang on them, you know, and mucked around with every now and then. But at the same time, you know, they're there to learn a job and, You've got to earn those stripes, like I said, and work your way up to that tradesman. Then once you hit that tradesman level, you know, that's when you start getting the respect and it's those years in the field and being able to teach others and things like that. So, look, there is banter. There's always banter, but everyone has a line with banter also. Um, And that can be hard to judge at times, especially with, um, I find, apprentices. Uh, You know, they're they're in a real sort of transition part of their life coming out of school yeah entering an apprenticeship not so sure of themselves and exactly eager to impress and stuff like that and so. then they're out amongst you know grown men have potentially been in the industry for 20 30 years and they've just got to come up to speed real quick you know um so that that's a massive thing for somebody's mental psyche as well as just their their learning curve out on site but um in general you know the people around you are very supportive um you know you'll get different characters obviously wherever you go but, yeah, they, it is a good culture, I feel. Because I think the stereotype would be that it is a hyper-masculine culture, very yeah. macho, men a few words, good with their hands, don't say much. Correct. Um, yeah. Has been the stereotype. I'm mm-hmm. sure it's probably not the case. And what do you know about that? Yeah, look, it's super interesting because there is research that supports the understanding that when you look at things like, you know, hegemonic masculinity, that traditional embodiment, stoicism, you know, strength, not talking about your feelings, all those yep. sorts of things. There is research that's suggesting that these male-dominated industries do have this culture, um, and it's another aspect of the research that we're really trying to tease apart whether or not you know these male-dominated industries do really adhere to these cultures, and maybe that's what's limiting you know these guys coming out and talking about it. Because you know we do hear reports, and there's a lot of anecdotal evidence about. Oh, he was bullied and told he was weak and, and that's what led to these outcomes. But, you know, that's something that needs to be teased apart. And, you know, whether or not this next generation in particular, and I think me and Richie talk about it a lot in that, you know, I would look at myself and if you wanted to put a, 
a, a blanket cover on. I think we're both quite masculine men. Thanks, mate. But, you know, on the flip side of that, you know, you, we're quite happy to talk about our feelings. Yeah. I know that if yeah, I sure. was struggling with something, there's no doubt I'd ring Richie and Richie'd ring me, you know, and yeah. that's that sort of, I think we're transitioning away from that a little bit, but it's definitely something that needs to be looked at um, and sort of discussed with the guys to understand because if you've got a perception that somebody doesn't want to hear it and he's going to perceive you as weak, yeah, you're not going to talk about it. So it's something that sort of really needs to be teased apart. Yeah. Look, in terms of the construction industry too, my my thoughts are personally, um, you know, we have a lot of, you know, I'd call myself being brought up by the old school guys and sort of that paint, uh, picture that you're painting there, you know, you sort of um, you know, you just get on with work. You don't talk about your feelings. You know, push it aside. Just keep going, yep. man up, and let's get into it. And <clears throat> in terms of that, that culture is, I find, starting to change a little bit. Um, I think uh, younger people are a lot, when I say younger people, you know, those teens to early 20s are probably a bit more in touch with their feelings a bit more now than what they used to be, whether that's because of social media, things like this. They've got more access to information. Simo might be able to answer that. But um, I think there is that slowly, you know, a slow develop of a, a culture change there because, like guys like us who have been bred by those older hard, hard hardcore school guys, you know, yeah. we're sort of going, "Yep, that's cool. We, we understand that now." But guess what? There's a softer approach to it as well, and we've got to look at more more aspects of, you know, people's characters. And there's and there's the responsibility on you guys there as the the older generation and the guys who are, you know, they're not in their early twenties now, but. Perhaps they see that these people are open to this and this is sort of how they do things a bit differently. Sure. It actually takes the older guys to be leaders and say, okay, well, we'll we'll listen to them. We won't judge them for that. And maybe they're right. Maybe some things could do with, with changing in that regard. So it's like you guys really have to accept that rather than just go, oh, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. And yeah. I think there's a big transition there that's happening within society and the construction, regardless of whether it's a hyper-masculine culture in that there's – you're starting to get these people go, oh, hang on, we actually need to look at this. But we, I mean, for me, sometimes I live in this space and I live and breathe it and I'm like, oh, no, we're way past stigma reduction. And, you know, everyone knows about mental health, but there are yeah. still those pockets of it where people are like, you know, I mean, we talked about it just then. People don't know about the, the rates and the stats and you're like, really? You know, do people not, are they not aware that these are conditions that are really prevalent throughout society and, and this is a high-risk group, and we need to be understanding of that. But, you know, groups like, like Mates in Construction that we touched on earlier have done a really good job at, at getting the message out there that, you know, that we always say it's okay to not be okay, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's starting to break through, but we still got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, and and that message there. has to come from guys like you who've worked in it, who understand it, who live and breathe it like you do still, Richie, um, who are willing to not only accept that, we need to um, be more open about this stuff and you guys need to take on the, that role of being a mentor but also want to talk about it yourself and, and open up and, and try to make that into a tough thing because the only way that it's going to look that way is if it comes from guys who look like tough bastards. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> a degree. And it's been a big transition, look, even for me personally, when I got um, you know, into psychology and it probably wasn't until six to 12 months ago that I started to get really comfortable to talk about my own experiences, you know, we talk about it as lived experience and, and it's a new sort of developing area, but it takes a bit, you know, to get comfortable with coming out and being like, yeah, I've been through this and I've been through that. And I think Richie's fantastic at it, you know, very open. And, but yeah, that's where we're trying to create this advocacy that, you know, look, I'm a normal bloke, you know, I've worked construction for a long time. 
I lift weights, you know, I drink beer. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> Come on, mate, if you buy, do the beach muscles. Mate. But you know what I mean? And it's this thing that it's like, hang on, you know, Richie's an ex, you know, you're a fighter. Like, you know, if there's yep. any, if there's, there's a picture of a bloke's bloke, I look at Richie and yeah. you're kind of like, it's all good. You know, if everyone can talk about it and it's okay for you to be experiencing these yeah. things. I think for me personally, the hard, honest truth is probably the best message at times and um, not dancing around the subject. So it's like, here's a little bit of good, but here's a fair bit of bad, but here's a little bit of good too because yep. it's not all going to be, you know, roses and, you know, right. rainbows and all the rest of it because yeah. it's life and life gets tough and we've got to put some tools in place to get through those points and times in our life and, and, and do get on with it. And if that means speaking about our feelings and our emotions, then so be it. We've got to do it. Yeah, and we know that the result of running from it doesn't get anyone anywhere. No. Um, so, yeah, totally agree. And on that, Richie, talk a bit about your own lived experience with, with mental health and what yeah. you've been through. Okay, mate. So um, when I was 18, uh, I found out or it sort of developed into um, what, well, at that point in time, I didn't know what was going on in my life. I was in that transition stage, I guess you could say, of, becoming an adult, you know, moving out of home and uh, looking for my next my next chapter in my life. Yeah. Uh, a few things were happening around uh, that point in time in my life and just finding myself getting really low and, you know, finding it hard to get motivated, things like this. So um, then out of the blue, you know, just having days where I just didn't want to leave the house, didn't want to get out of bed, um, finding myself very emotional, you know, literally crying, yep. um, isolating myself from family, friends, whatnot. And it actually took a good friend of mine to actually see what was going on. It, it took a little while for that for that process to happen. Um, I can't remember exactly. I'd, I'd probably say, you know, a good six to eight months before I was starting to get to my lowest of my character. And um, it was after a few drinks and whatnot that I um, had, without even knowing, had set myself up to, you know, potentially take my life. And it was literally a phone call right there and then when, when I was about to do what I was about to do. Um, that was my best mate and I answered the call and said, what's going on? He goes, I know what you're about to do and you got to stop, I'm coming. And it was that, at that point I realised <coughs> I'd hit my lowest low and um, through him and another network of mates, uh, they got me to a doctor, um, got me on the right path, went down that mental health care plan path, um, started seeing a psych uh, psychologist, uh, got on some meds and um, worked through that process to the point that one day I was saying to Sumo, you know, I got to the end of the end of this period of my life um, and I was sitting in with a psychologist for, for quite some time thinking, you know, I'm not, not sure whether I need to be here. And then just after I think that, third, or literally the last session, I'd been thinking of this for about three sessions and then on that last session I remember asking me like, how are you today? I said, look, I'm, I'm good. I'm really good and I don't even know if I need to be here. And she said, that's funny because I didn't think you needed to be here three sessions ago. I was just waiting for you to say that. Yeah, yeah. So, Cheers for the money, then, <laughs> Yeah, cha-ching. <laughs> Why do you think but, um, I went into psychology? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, at that point in time, uh, for me, mate, uh, it was, um, yeah, it was, it was quite a surreal experience. And uh, when, I, when people ask me, you know, what it was like or how are you feeling, it's, it's the hardest thing to describe. And the way I, I personally describe it is, is like get every emotion that you feel or you think you feel um, you know, love, hate, uh, happiness, sadness, everything, put it in a blender, just press it on high for 30 seconds and then have someone say, pull out an emotion, pull out a feeling and it's just a mess. You know, yeah. you just can't do it. And that's how I felt. 
uh, people would ask me all the time, you know, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'd just say, I don't know. I literally didn't know. I just had no idea what was going on with me. But um, worked through that process and um, here to tell the story, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, living life uh, the best I can now, mate. So. And after having that experience, you must have been very aware, obviously, of your own mental health and the need to look after it and probably seeing signs in other people that you worked with along the way. Did you sort of take it on as wanting to be someone who then helps others and looks out for others and becomes a bit of a, a mentor? Yeah, look, that's a really good question. Initially, no. I think initially... Um, you know, it, it it's a bit of an impact to the brain, I guess, or to your headspace. Yeah. Um, and it takes a little while still afterwards, I found, um, to process exactly what has happened. Um, and you think back and you think, oh, right, maybe that's why I did that. And, you know, I think with time you start to learn more about yourself. Um, you start having those more of those lived experience, experiences that we talk about and you start understanding why you do things, why you do them. And, um yeah, it took a little while after that, but once I sort of got through that process and I could, you can start sort of pinpointing people that might be having a similar or a shared experience in what you've just gone through. And it was at those points in times, you know, parties, at, you know, having a few drinks with mates and seeing people a bit flat, a bit down, just asking that question, you know, you got everything all right, bro? You know, is everything okay? And if they open up, great. But if they didn't, you just sort of monitor them. Yeah. And I think now for me, um, it's more prevalent now in my adult life um, than it was when I was younger. Um, but, yeah, I think it get, gets to a point that you, you sort of your priorities and your aspects change and a few things happen in your life and you go, I need to help out here. Yeah, it sounds to- like, you know, your mates helped save you back then, yeah. got you in touch with those services, which is still what we recommend for people to do now. We're trying to push that message out there now. But, you know, 10, 15 years ago, that was a, a lot more unheard of even to, yeah. to get that sort of support. And so I think now... People are starting to, there's still not enough obvious routes available to people, but they're starting to know what they're meant to go and do. Yeah, and look, that's a really good point, mate, because the person that identified myself going through what I was going through had already had their own personal you know, experiences or mental health issues at that time or difficulties. So potentially if he hadn't recognised those traits in me, I wouldn't be sitting in this chair. Yeah. So, um, yeah, 100% right. Yep. And Richie's selling himself quite short here because in our community down south where we're both from, Richie's, you know, a bit of a godfather figure and, <laughs> and you know, no, it is. It's Richie will always shy away from the spotlight, but, you know, Richie does do a lot of work in, you know, reaching out to people, checking in on people. Um, you know, we've lost a few people recently. Richie's although he's obviously dealing with it in his own way, he has been brilliant in reaching out to me, you know, that community and, and making sure everyone's going okay and, and being that sort of, I'm here if you need me. And it, and it's that for me is such a beautiful thing to have mates and, and, you know, that's what's so great about our friendship group and our community. Yeah. And I suppose that lived experience as well, though it's so difficult to go through and you wouldn't wish it on anyone. It also, um, if you can survive it, it gives you the, the power and the drive to then be able to, to go back and help others, which is yeah, pretty it's, powerful. It's funny you should say that, and I haven't used this term until today. And uh, Simo and I were messaging each other um, before coming onto the podcast, and I literally had wrote, wrote the words. My last words to you were, "Passion is power," and I, I, I don't know why it came to my head, but it is. You know, we've we've got a genuine passion about trying to help people through these types of 
issues, and which I, we believe is going to get potentially worse um, in the future. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think uh, just the fact that we've got a passion for this would be silly not to use it and help people and, and help them in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way, obviously. And Simo, t- talk us a little bit about your own story. Yeah, so um, where do you want me to start, mate? No, I look at <laughs> Well, I guess maybe pertaining to the construction, construction industry and your experience, yeah, isn't it? Look, it's been really interesting. So I've got a family history of suicide and mental health and it sort of seemed to have followed me for a quite a long period and then my own experiences very young um got diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder and you know was not in a great place and then sort of you know filtered into the construction industry and then you know in that sort of environment things just didn't you know they just kept going along and I was okay and I'd, I'd seen you know been to a psychologist and was like you know I got to work through this, but then you know, really got heightened um, by some of the factors that related to the construction industry. You know, that high pressure environment, long work hours. Um, mm. I remember at one stage I was driving from Hallett Cove out to Lyle McEwen Hospital every day for work. So you're looking at nearly a three hour round trip on a good day just to get to work and back. And so add your ten hour day on top of that, and then you're trying to you know yeah, you don't have, have that, a relationship. You don't have that work life balance. You got no work life balance, and then so those sorts of things like your mental health really start to suffer. And and look, lost a couple of mates on site as well, and it really starts to, you know, things start to add up, and it's that um, cumulative effect where you're like, hang on, things are really starting to pack in on me. And mm. you know, through my childhood, I was I was super lucky, and I always I'd love to give him a shout out, Simon Beale. He's a child psychologist. Um, Literally, same story as Richie. Had OCD, was super lost, didn't feel like anyone could understand me. And I think this is a really important thing is I went to see three or four different psychologists before I met Simon and it just didn't get me. I couldn't communicate with him, you know, and I was like, no one gets it. And I met this guy and he just was brilliant. He yeah. understood it. He, you know, talked to me about it, got me communicating it and, and took a different approach, you know, very not cognitive behavioural therapy, very behavioural, just, you know, got me through to the next step. And and it was a brilliant thing, you know, fundamentally. I don't think I'd be here either if it wasn't for him and, and people supporting me through it. And, you know, I think that's what it started to develop. You know, you start to see these impacts and you, you look at your mates on site that are struggling and you go, you know, maybe I can be somebody that makes a change. So I pulled, pulled the plug on construction and went, I think I'll go to university and try and be a psychologist and somehow I'm sitting here. And what, uh, what reactions did you get from that initially? Um, look, I think I think my workmates were stoked because I think I remember, look, he's, he's passed away now. He was my old leading hand, um, Ryan Panowich, just a great bloke, and he's he always used to say to me on site, he's like, if you're here within five years, like I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna beat this shit out of you, because he was like, you've got to go do something different, mate, yeah. you know. And so I think they were all just pleased that I'd taken a chance myself. And look, in the industry, when I first went into psychology, I was always thinking that who I was and the way I talk and the way I look was going to be a real bad thing. But it, you start to go, oh, look, there's a place for me yeah. in here, and. I think sometimes it's it's nice, you know. You're a little mm. bit different, stand out from the crowd, uh, which isn't too bad. Yeah, I think that's great, especially when um, you know there is such a need to talk to men, and we want to relate to each other and see a bit of ourselves in each other. And you know, people probably wouldn't think that you were a psychologist at I, first glance, I but get that all the time. Uh, after, <laughs> but more of a truck driver, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but after talking to you for not very long, they they understand that, and I think um, that's just such a. Uh, like, 
suppose a, a weapon in in ways for this for this good fight to have people like you who are different that men are going to feel comfortable coming to um, because you don't necessarily fit the mold but the mold hasn't necessarily worked that well for lots of men as well so. yeah and I, I look you know I'm not going to appeal to everybody either and I think that's you know there's horses for courses and there's something we always try and talk about as well me and Richie and that like push that message that if your first psychologist doesn't work, doesn't mean psychology or psychiatry is, you know, all this, you know, it's not hodgepodge. It, it works. Just go and find somebody yeah, else. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's tough though, isn't it? Because it is. it's such a, you're so putting yourself out there to even go and do that first one and you get yourself all the way to being there and then that isn't what you were looking for. It doesn't connect. The temptation is to just throw it throw away. away. Yeah, I think it's probably an important thing to touch on too. I mean, you're... Your relationship with whoever you're dealing with needs, needs to be relatable um, and you need to find someone who you feel comfortable with because obviously if you are going to go see, like Simo said, you know, it took him almost four, four attempts before you found the right person to talk to. So you're not going to open up and really explore those deep, dark demons that may be causing you those issues in the first place if you're not comfortable with the person you're talking to. So yeah. really important to, you know, if you're not happy, well, generally you're not going to be happy anyway because you're in that situation. But if you haven't got that connection with whoever you may be talking to at that point in time, yeah, definitely try someone else and yeah, keep going until you nail it. It takes a lot of drive to keep looking and keep investing your, your time in that. And I suppose you guys are working on something that's going to make that potentially um, an easier road for people as well. So tell us a little bit about your project. Yeah, so Simo and I and uh, another mate, we've um, developed a, 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 a platform we'll call it on instagram i don't know if we can shout out our social medias but um initially um i won't go into the reasons why i've i've set it up um because they are a little bit personal but the reasons for me wanting to do this is because there were a few deaths at the start of the year for both um simo and i in our immediate circle so um i created or rang these guys and we've created a page called at the.next.step.oz and we are literally a support page for men's mental health. Um, initially, I didn't think it was going to get any traction. I literally said, I rang Simo and said, look, this is what I'm thinking. Um, I want to do this, this, this. I want you on board and I'm going to get this person, I'm going to get this person and I just want to, I want to do it for our gym community. Um, if we have another person take their life this year, um, you know, within our, in our small network, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to sleep at night. So let's yep. get something happening, mate. And then within a week, I reckon we we bounced back a few ideas, and um, <clears throat> then I was like, you know what? It's only going to be for our friends. Let's just get it off the ground. So I started it, and uh, rang rang Simo and said, "We're on, mate. We're good to go." He's like, "Oh, okay. Let's see how this goes." Uh, we started sharing it, and then yeah, in those in those first two three weeks, it really it surprised us, and it was really humbling how much support we had from both our friends um, and family, and it just grew and it grew and grew, and it's still growing. I think we've only literally been six or seven weeks now. Yeah, um, we've got close to around five hundred followers, and obviously we want more because we want to now we're sort of thinking we want to reach a more of a target or a bigger audience because I think our message is um, pretty simple but really important. Um, we're basically not, our page isn't going to fix anybody's problems as such but what we are offering is we want to be able to get people to the next step so if they reach out to us reach our page 
we'll obviously interact with them through uh, direct messaging or we'll um, approach them through or we'll ask for permission to call them through the video chat if we need to. And then from there, we will give them some guidance on the best way to potentially deal with what they're dealing with at that point in time in their life. And you guys have obviously seen that there's a, there's a gap there um, when we're talking about that next step. So what have you noticed in, time, in terms of that quagmire that exists between realising that there's an issue and actually getting to the help that you need? Well, thing, it really shocked me a little bit because like I was saying before is I live in this space and I've been through it and so I think it's normal to go see a psychologist or understand what a mental health care plan is and yep. things like that. But, you know, I think men sort of don't really understand and a lot of people don't understand the process and, and what it takes to get there, you know, we are under, you know, the system's a little bit, it's not broken, but it struggles at times. You know, it can be a four-week wait sometimes just to get in to see a psychologist. And, you know, if you're having a really big crisis point, you know, that's when that social network and that community is really important. Um, and so often it's just trying to get guys to be able to get there, um, you know, get that, go to the GP, get your mental health care plan, take that next step, you know, book in with a psychologist if you're having trouble in that time, give us a ring. We'll get you through. You know, we can give you some helpline support services, you know, mates in construction, all those types of um, things are out there and we're happy to promote those. And it's really that conduit to be like, I've identified I'm struggling. How do I get to be able to to get some help and get some professional help? And, you know, there's a big gap there for, for blokes. You know, we are accessing and we are talking more, but I think there's still that disparity between... I've got a problem and, you yeah. know, what do I do about this? I think the beauty is too um, is that, well, for me personally, I think the beauty in it is the fact that when some blokes are dealing with um, mental health difficulties, uh, they don't want to feel belittled by having to talk about them with, say, family or friends or people on a personal level because they might get a reaction of, well, what's, well, what's wrong with you? What, what have you got to be worried about? Or, or like, So they don't want to be judged like that too. So sometimes a stranger or something like what we're offering can be a better platform because they don't know us. We're not going to judge them and we want to help. We've just generally got a passion to help. So we want to say, look, we're happy to hear what you've got to say, bro, and we'll whatever we can do, we'll, you know, try and put you in the, uh, the direction. I mean, you know, Simo with his clinical background is amazing, of course. Um, so he, if, if there's anything that gets a bit curly for someone like me without clinical background, I'm, you know, I'll ring Simo straight away and, hey, mate, can you take over here or, or whatever. Um, but it's just a really good way of um, allowing people to, you know, approach someone who they might feel more comfortable with because yeah. they don't know us, basically. It's just another avenue, and I think that's the big thing is that, you know, the, if we can get more services out there that can do this, you know, and are offering support, there's more chances that someone's going to reach out and, and be like, look, man, I'm struggling here and mm. I, I need a little bit of help. And we're very open and honest about what we've been through as well through the page, and I think that's that yeah. normalisation of... You know, we all, we, you know, all the guys involved have been to see somebody, have experienced their own problems, and know the process, and you know, are happy to talk about what they've been through, and and it makes people, I think, at times feel more comfortable. And it's like, oh, look, you know, one of the boys has gone through it. Maybe I can have a chat with them and and find out what we can do. Yeah, and if it's in that sort of a, an area where lots of the people are together on the work side or they're in the same sort of social circle, you only have to reach one of them and help them and then they can hopefully say, well, I didn't know where to go either but I talked to, spoke to these guys and then yep. they were able to point me in the right direction. Yep, 100%. Totally yeah. agree. We still sit under, you know, like obviously 
like like Richie was saying, we're not a we're not going to fix the problems, but you know we do have access. And you know, like for example, if someone's in the construction industry, we're definitely going to point them to mates in construction who will pay for you to go and see a psychologist or yeah. get some financial assistance, whatever's causing you some troubles, and you know, really guide them through. And I think the other aspect of it is we do see that there's a bit of disparity in you know between men and psychological services. Um, Blokes are trying to access but often not getting what they want and how we talk about keep going to see somebody else. Um, we want to be that sort of catch net that's yep. like, hang on, I went and saw old mate, didn't work out. Don't I need give to up. Don't give up. And yeah. it's like we'll be there. We'll literally hold your hand, you know, to get you through, take that next step and then we'll pass you on. So you're listening to them and, and saying, well, I'll help you make a booking. This guy might be more s- suited to you because you guys actually know of some people um, that can help rather than – because at the moment, even if you go to the doctor and get a mental health plan, it's still like, okay, well, you decide what psychologist you want to go to or we know of this one person, but the chances of that necessarily being the one for you is not that high, Um, which I think is is something that's not talked about too much because obviously there's no one-size-fits-all for a a clinician, but um, it's not an easy easy thing. And I had my own experience with seeing a psychologist when my friend – suicided and um you know part of that was useful because i was able to really open up about it with a stranger even though i've got no problem doing it with friends but it's just a different thing Mm -hmm. um but in the second session um after it was i had that emotional release what their actual advice and what they were saying i actually strongly disagreed with and i and then you feel quite vulnerable and like you know you've opened up to the wrong person and that and the what you want to do after that is close back up and 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 not yeah. go and do it again and it takes a lot more to then go and yeah go and I, do it again look you know my first impression myself when my mate said look we need to get your help and let's go get and you see a, a psychologist psychiatrist i thought I, to me and i know this is so stereotypical and my view on this has changed 100 percent. but i thought only crazy people go see people like that you know i'm going to be laying on a couch in a straitjacket almost and I've got to you know, tell all these problems that I'm going to have. But I think it's really important what you said there, mate, is that you're just sitting and you're just chatting. And it's it's kind of weird. Like the more you open up, it's like you almost answer your own own problems, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like the, I know the questions are directed in a way to help you with that connective thought path. But at the same time, you, you actually provide yourself with those answers. And you get to the, like I was saying earlier, you get to the end and you're like, I don't think I've got any more questions or I've got, you know, I've got a clear mindset of how and why I'm thinking the way I am. Mm. So, yeah, I think uh, what you've touched on there is brilliant. I think I think as well, like, because I'm very much at the opposite end of the spectrum with my experiences. I never really went in there and talked about my emotions and and some that's not appealing for some people. Um, obviously, as you go further down the track, it's probably necessary and emotional-based therapy is very effective. Um but some guys just want to go in there and get some practical tools, tips and strategies to get them to the next day. Yep. Um, and, you know, maybe it's a bit short-term care. And, you know, there are people out there and there are psychologists out there that will do it that way. Um, you know, we're starting to learn as a community as well that, you know, it's horses for courses. You know, there's that traditional CBT, you know, come in, let's talk about your thoughts, feelings, line a couch like Freud did and, you know, we'll go into your deep psyche, but, you know, that's not always the case. It doesn't have to be like that. No, and I think we're changing that that space as well. And, look, there's some fantastic research out there getting done. Dr. Seidler, 
um, over at Melbourne University and and Origin um, Mental Health, you know, looking at those things and really trying to encourage the psychology space to develop, you know, look at both genders and, and be like, look, we may need to change our tack when it comes to men. And so for me, it's imploring to men and getting that message out there that, look, there are people out there that will suit you, that will give you what you want. Just keep finding, keep reaching out and you'll get there. I just want to touch on too, some of the work that Simo does with our page, um, I think it's really important what he was saying just about those daily tools. Some people might not be at a point where they actually need to go see um, some professional help or get that mental health care plan, but are looking just for some real basic, what we'd call basic um, tools or strategies to help them get through a day or a week or whatever. So through the page, Simo just uh, does a couple of great analogies and breakdowns of you know breathing exercises. Talks about how that um, invokes the vagus nerve, yeah, boy. Um, and you know uh, calms down your your brain patterns and your and your just basically your whole psyche. Um, I've done a post on there about um, control and being you know focusing on things that you can control in your life and acknowledging the things that you can't control, but don't put too much energy into those things. So we try and give a, a few tools, basically is what we're saying, yeah, um, to help people through those day to days. I think that's important because mental health. Um, there's also the um, tendency to think that that's just mental illness. So it's say you know it's, it's bona fide depression or anxiety or whatever the illness might be. But it's actually we all have mental health. We we yeah. all have to take 100%. care of our mental health. We yeah. all we have have moments of feeling anxious or feeling like we're down or. Um, stressed out or not like ourselves and there's part of mental health that's just you know this helps me to pull myself back up out of this sort of a headset and yep. i wouldn't say that i actually necessarily have a condition but i would like to hear, hear some advice on how other people manage to do that yeah and for you personally if, if uh, some of the tools you're using how could you feel about knowing yourself and that you can pull yourself out of those situations like for me personally, I do use some of these tools um, in day-to-day. You know, I might be getting a bit stressed at the office and just need to get away from the desk. I'll do some breathing and go back to my desk and I've just got to pick a clearer picture of what I need to do, maybe a bit of a sip of water and refocus. And I think it's uh, it's a, it's almost empowering over yourself to be able to go, right, I need to get myself back on track here and knowing those um, – you know, those trigger points that yeah. you need to go away well, and do it stops those. you blaming other people for it. 100%. Um, and yeah. it's – even though if you logically know what you should do, it still doesn't make it easy some days. No, and we all no. end up going back to uh, some of our old habits and then we have to remind ourselves. But I think it is empowering and it is about taking back as much control as you can have and realising that um, a lot of the time if you're feeling a certain way, stuff might not have even changed externally. It's just what's going on in your mind. Yeah. Um, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I certainly experienced that. Oh. Yeah, and you know, like sometimes even doing the videos, it reminds me that I need to do something. You know, yeah. it's really funny. Like we do this thing, self care Saturday Sundays, and um, you know, sometimes it gets me out of my own thought processes. And I, like I made a post the other day, and one of my self care things is to go and clean my car. Yeah, it sounds ridiculous, but that's me looking after myself and getting myself organised and feeling comfortable. And I think as a community, sometimes. And we've been really trying to encourage it in this sort of COVID, post-COVID sort of situation is that self-care is so important. I think sometimes, and I know as a bloke, I'm terrible at it at times, looking after myself, but it's like, give yourself five minutes. And, you know, it doesn't have to be anything sort of ridiculous. It could be go cleaning your car. It could be, you know. Well, to relate it back to the construction industry, for me, um, you've just hit, hit a thought pattern in my head. I used to like just clean it, cleaning out the van yeah. and just getting everything neat and tidy again straight and I just know, right, next week I'm, I'm on, you know. I'm on. I'm, 
yeah. and I'm comfortable. And it's like those little tips and tools that I think, you know, and, and I love that what you're talking about because we talk about this mental health continuum is that, you know, you're here to here. It can be anywhere in mm. the middle and you don't have to have a mental health condition to be travelling really shit. You know, vice versa. Some of the mental health condition can be going fantastic, great guns. You know, I'll, yeah. And I'll, if if you're alive, it's relevant to you. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, it. And, it and so yeah. you know, we are trying to hit the you know broader pop. You know, we're not just looking at just men and stuff. But you know, I think it reinforces those things. That, you know, we're here to prevent, reduce stigma, but also be that conduit to someone reaching out and getting some help. So. And what uptake have you had, or responses have you had from some people who've been reaching out? Do you guys look? Um, to be honest, so far, um, it, all the, we've had a lot of support, and it's all been very positive. So we're really, I'm really humbled. I know you yeah. are too, mate. And um, you know, I'd almost say on the daily, we get someone just touching the page and saying, "Look, guys, what you're doing is fantastic." Um, we do, Simo and I do mix in, and uh, I shouldn't mention that we've got another mate, Brett. Um, he couldn't be here today. But um, Brady's on it as well. So all, all three of us come from a different sort of, although we're sort of all like mates, yeah. we've all got different circles of friends outside of that. Yeah. Um, so we, we generally get some form of support from someone out of our friend network, you know, just randomly. And We've had a few people hit us up as well. And, yeah. and it's just that pathway. And like so far, it's been really positive in terms of, I think, a lot of it has just been having a quick chat with somebody and they've yeah. gone, oh, look, I just wanted to get that out there in the open and, and you know, um, you know, I might not need to see anybody at the moment, but you know, it's it's you know, it's just nice to sort of talk and this is okay to be feeling this way and yeah. and you know, I think in this this situation, it's more than just so relevant at the moment. You know, the amount of pressure that people are under and you know, there's you know a bit of fear and avoidance and all those sorts of things. And you know, it, yeah, it's starting to gather steam. You know, it's really early days, but it's for us, it's such an altruistic thing to do. Sometimes I feel guilty because I'm feeling good from doing it and I don't even know why but it's um it's fantastic we have had a few people touch the page looking for that next step as well um one one gentleman in particular I remember um Simo uh, so we have access behind the scenes so to speak so we can all see what's going on so Simo um had the picked up on it that night and I probably chimed in about an hour later behind the scenes we're obviously in separate locations not laying in the same bed or anything together <laughs> um, and I was just reading the content um, so that's probably something people should be aware of that there's three of us that can see what's being said but I actually rang Simo and said look I don't think you're getting anywhere with this bloke and I can see a couple of things there that I think I might relate to this guy a little bit better do you mind if I take over and um, anyway ended up forming uh, quite a cool relationship with this guy so to speak from, from a professional point of view uh, of course um, and we've been chatting um, of late and he just wanted someone to reach out to, just wanted someone to speak to. Um, he's all good. He's on a good path now and um, he just wanted to process a few things. And it's just little things like that that it, I feel um, really good about helping these guys because, yeah, you're right, it doesn't mean um, anyone accessing the page is, you know, um, you know, experiencing difficulties yeah, or anything yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. It just might be uh, for this particular guy um, was just gone through a really bad breakup, um, was out missing everyone, missing his f circle of friends, missing his dog, all, all these types of things, and he just needed someone to chat to. Yeah. Um, so and it's really it's, it's kind of – I found it really cool just to be there and help him through that process. Yeah, and I think it's just, you know, for me, in my own lived experience, it was such a – it was such a good thing. Like my mates and our community is so fantastic and I think we just want to spread that a little bit more. Yeah. I know within our friendship group and, um, you know, when things go wrong, I can call the boys and, and that's got me out of so many sticky situations. I was thinking about it today 
I got a really good mate that I broke my back in Queensland and I was addicted to painkillers. I was not having a good time. And he, you know, one of those boys that will fly up and, you know, just spend some time with you and, and, you know, you can have a chat about things and be like, oh, yeah, all right, I'm back on track. And sometimes it's as simple as that and it's just that reach out, knowing somebody's there and, yeah, yeah if, if shit goes down, someone's got your back. Yeah. I think um, what you said too, Ro, and I think that was one of my selling points to Simo to get him on board was the fact that, look, mate, we've got such a good tight um, group of friends, tight little network, and we all do bounce off each other really well. And it's like there's people out there that don't have what yeah. we have, you know. I said, so let's just open that up. Let's just extend it out. And whoever needs that circle of friends to have their back, welcome in. Like, And we'll just make that circle bigger and bigger and bigger yeah. until Beautiful. until we've got everyone covered. <laughs> yeah, and it is a privilege to have a circle like that. And you're right, not everyone does have that. Um, and potentially also that though them engaging with this and talking to guys like you, um, if they're able to find some help and get to a better place, then they potentially see the value in that and then they potentially have that conversation with the people that they do know and then out of that maybe they turn into one of those groups and they are the the fire starter for that and that's the thing you don't know the ripple effect that this sort of a wave has and you guys have just taken a a personal tragedies and being devastated in your own lives and felt that drive to say well we've got capacity and we've got an idea and we need to do more than just go to funerals and talk about how terrible that is and i had the same experience um and you've turned an idea into something tangible that's already helping people. So I definitely want to acknowledge you guys for doing that. Uh, but I think the really real power in it is uh, it's not just those 500 followers, it's also the friends of all those people and it's all the other people who see what you're doing and then think, oh, yeah, well, maybe we can do something. And it's all those little voices and all those regular little conversations every day that slowly shifts this over time. It's not even though things like you know Men's Health Week or whatever it is are great, and there's a big, uh, there's a big kick on that week. It's that's not how it's done. It's it's little things all the way across and yep. fanning out all over the place. Consistency is key. Yeah, um, yeah, and, right. it, and it's just keeping that message out there that you know there's always somebody there. And I think you know when we talk about mental health and suicide in particular, we talk about these feelings of burdenness, entrapment, and not having anyone to reach out to. And that, you know, I, I'm I'm I just want to say there's always someone there. You know, and we want to be there. So if you're having any troubles, reach out because someone will talk to you and someone will help you get through it. And um, yeah, I know it's just a really nice thing to be able to do and and help the community out. So, um, but you know, it's um, yeah, it's just a it's it's good. And you know, having Richie on board and Brett and 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 the boys is it's it's just nice to be able to sort of extend that friendship and and you know give back something that a lot of people gave to me so and as you get that response from people and you have way more people than you thought how do you not give too much of yourselves obviously you're doing your other jobs and i understand being altruistic and wanting to help and everything like that but very soon that can become you you're just spending all day doing it and it's something that you think so important that you love to do and you want to help everyone about how do you look after your own mental health and make sure you draw the line as well? That's a yeah, really good question. Um, Simo and I have actually, we talk about this a lot, actually. <laughs> do, do you take on this one, bro? Well, uh, that was a big thing with Richie. Richie's so, you know, altruistic and wants to give everything to everybody and I sometimes have to crack the whip and be like, come on, mate. Cool. But, you know, this is the thing is that, like, we don't want to be there all the time to fix your problems, yeah. you know, like we're here to support you and get you to that next step and, and you know, 
a lot of the time it's just passing out information about certain things and you know mm. a lot of people don't know about the support services yeah, so it's like re replacing that google search where we, i don't yeah. know what i'm looking for i'm typing in typing in psychology yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and you know like look we're always here and we're always you know happy to lend an ear um and it's just sort of being that 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 pathway that conduit to that to people getting what they need out of out of um the services and i, I think that's really what we're trying to do and you know yeah. richie probably sit on the phone for 15 hours with somebody you know having a good old yeah. chin wag but i'm like oh, come on dude Sorry, this is not feasible the business is going to fall apart <laughs> yeah. but you know it's um getting them through and you know just passing them on to those, those places that we need because you know that's what we're trying to promote there's there's great services out there but a lot of people just don't, don't, know, don't know about, about them yeah. yeah and you know for me too, I th I'd like to touch on what Callum just said, just from a from my boss's point of view. If you're listening, <laughs> um, a lot of my networking is done out of hours, so yeah, it does take up a bit of time. But what I'm starting to find now is um, I do get a bit overzealous with um, me wanting to help people, so I do have to limit myself to a, to a degree. I always check and you know monitor things as they go, but if I'm going to spend time on there, you know, save the page for me at least. Um, I try and I try and um, you know keep it to a, a strict amount of time because obviously there's other things that obviously you know life's uh, life's uh, endeavours are, yeah. are all there so it's a, it is a bit of a juggling act and, and a bit of a balancing and, act but we um, we manage I think as well having sort of systems behind the page too you know we do have a framework you know. I'm not going to sit there and I'll tell the boys, like, look, this is, you know, when they can assess that, this is a bit of a crisis situation and we really need to be involved or mm. ah, I can wait till tomorrow morning. <laughs> and, I, and I think the fact that there's three of us too, uh, we're all bouncing off each other and, you know, Simo will be on at nights when I'm not on and you'll pick up things that I don't pick up and then we'll talk. And, yeah, so um, we, we've, we're slowly ourselves starting to learn those balances as well, I feel. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, that's nah, brilliant, guys. And, um just to sort of wrap up on the fact that you've both lived through what you've lived through and had those experiences, which sounds like you went pretty much to rock bottom or definitely did, uh, and then were helped out of it um, by people in your life and fortunate for that. To be the men that you are today who are uh, doing lots of stuff in your own right but then also working together on a project like this and just so invested in this, um, what does it make you think to, to look at yourselves now and think about you know where you were when you were in that spot and now here you are leading the way trying to help people it's a pretty it's a pretty big change isn't it yeah, yeah. It is. i think as well for me it's something that's always made me laugh is um you know i used to hate myself and i used to look at when i got diagnosed with ocd i used to be like oh man why me why have i got a mental health condition and now i look at it and i'm like i'd be lost without it like it drives me to do more and and it builds that resilience and i think sometimes if you can reframe that you know, that like something good will come out of this. Um, you know, I look at Richie and what Richie can do and, you know, when the chips are down, I know Richie's going to be there. And, and yeah, you know, I'd love to be able to go back to my 15-year-old self and be like, going to go through some rough times. We'll be all good. Um, <laughs> You'll be right, mate. But that's part of life. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. yeah, but it's a journey. But you can go and talk to someone else. And, and that's it. And that's really what we're trying to do is just be that, that next step for somebody and, and yeah. give back what we were so lucky to get. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, I always keep in the back of my mind, you know. If I hadn't met certain people in my life, I wouldn't be here and it's a beautiful thing, so. Yeah, I guess, well, for me, um, I, I get a kick out of being busy. If I, I find I'm not my, my best when i am got nothing on, so I purposely uh, try and keep myself busy, but I draw off energy too. So if I see this guy promoting and, you know, bigging up and that's half the reason why I got him because he motivates me in a good way, 
And um, I don't think – we're both probably quite competitive people too, yeah. but not that this is a, a competitive thing. It's um, just we're using each other's strengths to push each other, I guess, um, through this process. But look, um, yeah, get for where I am now from where I was, you know, I don't want to say, oh, you know, well done, pat yourself on the back because there's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is a, something that both Simo and I will just keep doing for as long as we can. Yeah. Um, until he starts hating me or um, <laughs> goes rich, I've just <laughs> had enough, too, of, or I've made his ears bleed from talking too much. <laughs> but um, I think we'll, we'll just keep going, and we'll keep going, and keep going, and our friendship will always be here and stay. And um, even if we, oh, do you know what? I think we'll always be ambassadors. On, on <laughs> yeah, this front. And I, we'll probably do it for a long time. And I think that's a big thing too. Is that you can see the advocacy is needed for men's health and, and men's mental health, and it's kind of like just you know you need people out there, and you know what you do. Is, just brilliant you know and what richie does and it's just creating that community where you've got a whole bunch of blokes talking about mental health and it's it becomes normality you know i'm going through some shit man yeah cool let's go we know what's going on and and i think it's it's breaking and uh, for me it's just so exciting to see and it's nice to be involved but you know we'll get there and and you know i think people every day is a challenge for some sometimes and but you know as long as you've got that support network around you things are going to get through and, and we're going to be going to be okay just one last thing i just wanted to quickly add i I posted this to the page a little while ago and i think it it, to me it really impacted me it it, um it really showed the importance of starting that conversation so there's a um a hot sort of suicide spot um called the gap i'm not too sure whereabouts in australia it is but this old gentleman his name was don Ritchie. he lives across from that spot now he's documented as for the last 50 years of being there saving um, 160 plus lives by just walking over, seeing these people in their time of crisis and saying, hey, come get down from there, come to my house, let's have a chat and let's have a meal. You know, and it's just that starting of the conversation and talking to someone that you know, can, can save lives, yeah. can, can save your mental health. Um, so I guess that's what we're talking about is just make, make those conversations happen, reach out, talk to people and really open up because you, you don't know the benefits of it until you've done it. And um, interestingly, it sounds like that pretty much saved your life uh, was that conversation and that is the power of one conversation or of reaching out is just planting that seed or talking someone down um, at that moment. And then from that, now you guys years later are in a position where you are um, helping people and helping thousands of people and that was that rested on one conversation that you didn't know at the time. Yeah. So that's amazing. And now you're having those conversations. So, yeah. yeah, it is just so much more powerful than you give it credit for at the time. We kind of touched on this, I think, the other day. Is I said something about that to Richie after contact with somebody. And um, you do, you sit back there and you go, you, you potentially just save somebody, you know, by literally reaching out and saying, are you okay? What can we do and how can we help? And, you know, that for me, it resonates deep, deep down because, you know, the outcomes that can happen and, you know, I sit back and you know what it's like, you know, you sit there and you're like, I just don't want to lose anyone else, you know, and and it makes me get a little bit emotional, which is very rare. Richie knows that. You sit there and you're like, that one conversation can change everything and um, I think that's what keeps driving a lot of people and I, I hope that's what keeps driving people in this space for years to come so that these figures change, you know. No, there's no longer an issue, you know. We, we still push that zero suicide rate within Australia and I think a right, right community um, and that's what keeps us going. Yeah. We'd like to see the figures change but decrease. Yeah. That's our, that's our ultimate goal at the end of the day. 
lives matter. Yeah. And um, we don't want anyone, um, you know, taking their life or getting to the point that they feel they need to um, when it can seriously just be as easy as reaching out to someone. If you're a fan of the work we're doing or have a suggestion for the show, please rate us on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment. You can follow Young Blood Men's Health Matters on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, youngbloodmenshealthmatters.com, to stay up to date. We're also on YouTube now, so please subscribe to the Young Blood Podcast channel. And most importantly, if this conversation resonated with you, share it with someone you love and start a conversation of your own. This is Young Blood. Thanks for being part of the mission. Catch you next time.